There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hey, welcome to Playboys episode eight. Alex, how are you doing? Doing all right. Glad to be here again. How about yourself? Mm, delicate, not too bad. Um, which uh, which player are we doing today? We are doing Othello. I like to ask that, even though everyone can already see the episode name. So it's they already know. But yes, we're doing Othello, the Mirror of Venice. Um, before we kind of get into it, you know, with the characters and the acts and things, like overall kind of thoughts, like I liked, I really liked this one. Yeah, yeah, I've... This is my third time going through it. I went through it uh, in high school, went through it again last year, doing the rankings of the tragedies, and then uh, just yesterday, reading it for this podcast. And yeah, I think each time I've really enjoyed going through it. It's nice to see it again, right? Yeah, I mean, I've read this one before, and I think it got a lot... I mean, I read all of Shakespeare, like, in a row within a few months so a lot of them kind of got lost in the mix a little bit you know but now that I've gone back and kind of read this one standalone um I really really enjoyed it I didn't remember that it was like one of my favorites or anything like that but I, I really enjoyed it where where did you rank it remind me where did you rank it in your tragedies it's pretty high right oh yeah oh yeah I ranked it as number three uh followed by number two would be King Lear and one Hamlet so mm. I can see people putting it in the one or two spot as well uh yeah it definitely deserves to be top three i think i think that's that's fair king lear i never really enjoyed either but it might have also got lost in the mix i don't know hamlet of course is a classic and we reviewed that so listen to our hamlet episode (laughs) (laughs) so othello this you know what's interesting on this is there's there's really not very many characters in this um and i i quite like that some of the dramatis personae like it's half a page of people this is like this like six people well there's a little bit more than that but there's only really a you know yeah they add maybe like five people that are there for just a single scene so you got like the clown who's there for a scene you got the duke who's there for a scene montana who's there for two scenes like yeah everyone else is there throughout most of the play yeah, it's it's a, a little core. So I suppose we have Othello himself. That's the, the person to start with. Othello, a noble moor in the service of the Venetian state. Okay, so they send him at one, one point off to do some, you know, kind of, well, yep. there's, there's trouble. So off you go, Othello, you're a general or whatever. So that's what he does. We have his lieutenant, Cassio, and his ancient, Iago, honest Iago. So that's, people will have heard, I think, you know, of, of Iago. Um, and those are like really a core kind of three. Um, and in terms of other characters, I mean, we have, um, so we yeah. have Othello's wife, obviously, um, which is Desdemona, Desdemona and her dad, um, Brabantio. Brabantio. But we only really see him like maybe at the start and the end. Like he's not, he's not like in it throughout. The, at the end, uh, we get some news about him. Yes, we get some news so about him at the end. He is only at the beginning. But he's only in the beginning. 
And we have Emilia, who is Iago's wife, and Bianca, who is Cassio's mistress. So, like, essentially, we have three people and their spouses, you know, and that is, like, the the core, you know, cast of people. In terms of who else appears, you mentioned um, Montano, that's the governor of Cyprus, and we have the Duke of Venice as well. He, again, is really only in the beginning. Um, And, of course, Desdemona's dad, um, Brabantio, that we mentioned, um, and we have Rodrigo, a Venetian gentleman. And again, he kind of bookends it. He's in the start, he's in the end. Uh, he's talking to Iago at the beginning. Um, and that's... He pops up throughout. He's the one who gets the play going at each spot. So when there's a lot of talking and there's a lot of like conniving going on, Rodrigo's the one who kind of puts things into action. Yeah, he does. He is... He's a mover in, the, in that sense. And then in terms of others, you know, it literally just says here, you know, other senators, you know, there's the Klein that you mentioned. Uh, and we do have um, the brother and also a kinsman of Urbantio. So that's Graciano and Lodovico. But, yeah, he was the um, uncle. Yeah, not not really main major characters there. So no. it is a small set of of core characters. And I, for one, think we could have lost the Klein, uh, to, be, to be perfectly honest. Which one? The Klein. We didn't oh, the yes. That really surprised me. I forgot that there was even a clown in this play. Yeah. It's, look, this is what, the, the one thing that's similar in this play and the last one we did is that there's a random scene with a clown that could have been cut. I'm going to be honest. It, it, it didn't, didn't add anything. I kind of agree. Yeah, with Elbow being the clown <laughs> and Measure for Measure. Yeah. Clown here. No, I mean, you, you're comparing them to like the clown in Twelfth Night or the clown in King Lear. And yeah, they don't really, they, they make you laugh for a couple lines and that's about it. Then they just disappear. Yeah. And, you know, in my case, like, I, oh, I didn't laugh. Like, I didn't find it funny. I kind of thought, why is this even here? Um, but, you know, one, one thing is, it's weird to put it because this is not a comedy. Like, this is a tragedy and um, it's just a weird comedic scene. But there's something I noticed. And tell me if I've made this up or if you noticed it as well. This, in terms of the plot, this could have been a comedy. Like, you know, if they just made it a little bit less serious, obviously the ending, you know, you've got a, a tragic ending where everyone kind of dies and a comic ending where oh, like they're all fine and they all go off and get married. But I th- think th- you're thinking of Much Ado About Nothing. <laughs> that is literally the plot of Much Ado About Nothing. Okay, that's, I haven't read that one in a long time, but yeah. that, there we go. Because I, I yeah. felt like, you know, this, this plot could have been done as a comedy and there we go. So it was good. <laughs> basically, basically. Although done... I think it's done better as a comedy for my ranking mm. of comedies much ado about nothing was my number one so yeah yeah i that holds a special place in my heart and the royal shakespeare company just amazing job the best i've seen anyway fair, fair enough we're here to talk about so, othello so we're gonna talk about othello do you want to start us off yeah so it starts off in venice and it starts off quick like we get to hear immediately why Iago and Rodrigo do not like Othello and right with right off with their motive and right off with what they're going to do right so Rodrigo loves Desdemona and Iago is just incredibly jealous of Cassio getting promoted over him right yeah pretty pretty much yeah I mean I I didn't really find Iago's motivation all that believable to be honest Oh, no, yeah, and that's something I thought of before as well. Like, you want to get back at someone? You want to get revenge on someone just for not getting a promotion? 
Yeah, and and he, you know, he well, we'll see, but he takes it to some lengths, you know. And I it is a tragedy, a bit... and what does a tragedy mean when we're talking about yeah. Shakespeare? Well, add one and two together, you get three. Yeah, I mean, Shakespeare essentially does to 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 a point follow the um, the ancient Greek style. You know, you've got comedies and you've got tragedies, and they're, they 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 take a certain kind of route. And it's it's interesting that that held up for such a long time. But yeah. So yeah, you got Iago in the shadow throughout most of this play. Rodrigo's kind of the one in the spotlight. Like he's the one who wakes up Brabantio. He's the one who like gets Cassio mad at him to have him beat him basically, right? Iago's just in the shadow, like talking into Rodrigo's ear throughout all of this. Yeah, I think we do see a lot of Iago, but I think that we also... Like he's almost, you kind of feel like he's there all the time, you know. Like he's always in the shadow. He he is the real, um, in a sense, he is the main character more than Othello. Even like, I think he's the one that you take away from yep. the play. Honestiago, you know, that's the guy that that you remember. You know, as soon as I looked at the dramatis persona and I saw Iago, I thought, ah, yes, it's this one. You know, that's the guy that that you that stays with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the two that are going to come out at the end for the curtain call. You got Othello and Iago who are probably going to take a bow together. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think yeah. so. So, Do you like Iago? Uh, I think he is, as I said, very conniving, but it's his motive that is just really weak. I think that's the only weakness in this play is kind of Iago's motive. Okay. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that he's he's an amazing, amazing character, but I would agree that I didn't really get his motive. You know, I kind of thought he, you know, Othello considers him like a faithful, loyal, honest friend. And he's kind of, yeah. you know, going against him for what seemed like a silly reason, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But it is really cool to see how he works throughout this play I was thinking of how to discuss Iago earlier and I can only see him as like a cancer, right? You don't know whether this part of you or how how should I say this? You don't really know if he's going to be good or bad. He's part of like the group, part of the body, but you realize later in the play, like, oh, this part of me is killing me. If you just chopped him off earlier, then things might have been better yeah pretty pretty much i mean they i think that's a that's an apt comparison you know and that is what iago is he is the the cancer essentially and he is the one that's let's be honest he causes all the problems you know all of the problems um well and i would say that he gets the ball moving othello also he's not entirely uh innocent in this I was really torn on Othello because I feel like you're meant to really like him, but I wasn't, he's not great. (laughs) I think I do still like him. I do still like him, but yeah, he does turn on Desdemona a little too quickly. 
he does. And I mean, I'll come back to this later when we get to it. But yeah, the, the whole play would fall apart if people just had like a normal conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like, if they just said, OK, what's going on? OK, that thing happened, you know, but they, they, they don't. <laughs> if you just so, yeah. spoke to Desdemona, you know, you have Cassio just like coming in, talking to Desdemona and then leaving without talking to Othello. Like, no, you should just be a man. Talk to Othello and... Yeah, right. or if Othello just had a real conversation with Cassio and Desdemona, or, you know, he, he, he goes on accusing Desdemona at one point, and then she doesn't really answer that. She's just like, well, I guess, I guess he's mad at me. Oh, oh, well. Like, if they just sat down and had a, had a little conversation, everything would have worked out. You know? So for Desdemona as a character, I see her as kind of like the ideal woman in their eyes, I should say, like Elizabeth in eyes, like she is completely to subservient, right? She will do anything that Othello asks. And yeah. So when he says, go away, she doesn't question it. She just shuts up and goes away. You know, for for people studying this now, um, we have to kind of be aware that that's maybe not going to sit so well with us now. But I think back then, you know, that was considered like a a good wife that's what she should be doing you know you're supposed to yeah you, you have pity for her obviously to an extent but that was like the model wife essentially that level yeah. of subservience whereas nowadays it's kind of like this is a bit toxic <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely but what's also uh, what's also kind of a strike against Desdemona is how much she talks about Cassio like imagine being in a relationship and then your wife always talks about this other man Right. I think she should also be able to like read the room and be like, all right, I should probably not bring this up every single conversation that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really is most of the conversation she has in this play. It's about Cassio. She's always talking about Cassio, but I mean, I guess she should promise to Cassio that she would speak to Othello on, on his behalf. So she wants to do that. But yeah, she pushes yeah. it a little bit. And yeah, maybe that's a flaw in just how she's written, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like. She didn't really have much else going on other than talking about Cassio sometimes. You know? I mean, from her point of view, absolutely would make sense. Because, right, we do learn that Cassio was the intermediary between Othello and Desdemona's relationship. Like, they were the, he was the one to get them started, basically. Yeah. And, so. you know, it's not, I don't know. Like, yeah, she should maybe read the room a little bit and figure out that Othello's not mad keen on her really, really being into Cassio. But at the same time, I don't see why she shouldn't be like, it's not, yeah. it shouldn't be a problem, you know, but again, for n- nowadays, you know, if your wife had a male friend, that'd be grand. I don't know how keen they were on that in Elizabethan times, you know? Mm, fair enough. So, so let's, let's start off start we, plot wise. I was going to say like, we, we kind of briefly mentioned how the play begins, but it, it begins with Iago and Rodrigo hatching their, their scheme. Essentially. Yep. They're waking up uh, Desimona's father, Brabantio saying like, hey, your daughter's run off with this moor. You need to stop this. Right? Yeah, I mean, they, they say you've been robbed, essentially. You know, yeah. you, you're, you're, you've been robbed of your daughter. You know, he, she's gone and married this, the moor, who, of course, uh, it took me a, a, a scene or two to realize what was going on with Iago because, you know, he is the, the servant, essentially, the, the, or, or the friend of Othello. So I was kind of trying to figure out what was going on with him in the, in the first scene or two. Why is he you know, going against Othello here, because actually I thought maybe maybe this was some kind of scheme that Othello had employed him in to like make the dad aware in a weird way. But no, it's not. He's he's just he's just not being a good friend. Oh no, he never does anything nice for Othello throughout this entire play. No. Yeah. And so I I didn't really get confused by that. Um 
I do actually like a line in here. I think it was uh, Rabantio saying to Rodrigo, thou art a villain. And Rodrigo responding, you are a senator. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, thou art a villain, you are a senator. It's right there. Yeah, I love that, actually. That is one of my favorites. fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so some of these jokes really do like last for like 400 years. And then, yeah, so a lot of kind of tying it into what you were saying, a lot of what we're seeing does still tie into what we see in today's age. So like there, if you really read into it, you can see a lot of like racist things that they're saying at the very beginning about uh, being a Moore. Uh, Iago says some terrible things as well. And so yeah that there's there's some stuff like that that might not sit well with everyone reading but i you know i always think that if you're going to appreciate a piece of literature you know you have to just accept the time that it's from you know mm-hmm. so like and it's not nearly as bad as something from like the 1800s or 1900s yeah it's, it's it's actually not as bad as a lot of more modern stuff actually so yeah. you, just, you have to overlook certain things it's just the way it is you know but yeah, the senator, the senator line is very funny and they wake up Rabantio and of course they then explain, you know, your daughter has, has gone. He doesn't believe them at first because he doesn't trust Rodrigo anyway, because I guess Rodrigo was trying to get um, to get with Desdemona previously. So he's kind of like, oh, you're up to your usual tricks. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that your daughter has gone. And they say, you know, go and check, satisfy yourself. If she be in her chamber or your house, let loose on me the justice of the state for thus deluding you. So, you know, that's that's fair. Yeah, she's not there. And, and he does go and, and check that. And then all of a sudden, from not liking Rodrigo, Brabanti was like, you're my best friend, you know, and, and they just get on really well then at that point. Well, he was basically saying like, okay, I'd rather have you, Rodrigo, than this Moore. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I don't like, again, it doesn't sit well with me, the the way they refer to her, like, as a thing, you know. It's like, you've been robbed. And he says, like, oh, thou foul thief, where hast thou stowed my daughter? Like, she's not an object that you just picked up and, and hidden somewhere. Like, this is an actual person with agency. <laughs> yeah, but again, the time period, I didn't see too much more wrong with that time period wise yeah yeah you again kind of it's one of those, at this yeah. point um you you do accept it yeah. but it's it's almost funny you know because it's ridiculous <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> you know? absolutely yeah <laughs> and so basically then uh brabantio shows up to othello who's getting his order from the duke to come meet him uh brabantio yeah. tries to arrest othello like okay you stole my daughter and yeah you stole that you stole my possession known as a living human being (laughs) and yeah yeah but you know talk about brabantio for a second because he can't even consider not that he can't accept he can't even consider that she was just into othello like he assumes that othello's used like some kind of magic or like she's been under a spell like this witchcraft involved like (laughs) Yeah, it's like African witchcraft or something they mention. And yeah, he's really like that is that is the assumption here. You know, if she if she in chains of magic were not bound, whether a maid so tender, fair and happy, so opposite to marriage that she shunned the wealthy. So there's this idea like, well, she's she's shunned better people than you, you know, she couldn't possibly love Othello, you know. Yeah. Doesn't even consider it. Yeah. And we learn in the next scene, basically, that the reason she loves Othello is because of his amazing stories, right? Yeah. So it, they do go and meet the Duke because, like, the Duke's orders take precedence. And so in the next scene, we see that the Duke is planning 
uh, to fight the Turks and they have a ton of ships. It's looking pretty desperate. And so they need to send like Othello to war. Yeah. But Brabantio doesn't care about that. He all only thing he cares about (laughs) is saying Othello stole my daughter. He's quite uh, quite rash with the Duke. Like, you know, he is, he speaks out of turn a little bit with the Duke. You know, he's not, he's not afraid of the Duke. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) And so he says, he says, he says, so, because the Duke's trying to figure out what goes on at one point, you know, and he figures out it's about his daughter, and he says, is she dead? And he says, I, to me, like, she's not dead. She's not dead to you. She just married someone. She is abused, stolen from me, and corrupted by spells and medicines bought of mountebanks, you know, like, okay. He doesn't even, like, the way he, he says it to the Duke it's almost like we've already worked out that there were spells and medicines here. Like he doesn't even say, this is just my supposition, you know? But the Duke being a smart guy is like, okay, we need some evidence for this. Yeah. Like that's probably one of the first times I've seen in Shakespeare, like give us actual evidence. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's curious, but the Duke's quite a level-headed, you know, fellow, yeah. and, and, and for that reason, we don't actually see much of him in the play. Cause he's almost at a place in this play. No one else is really all that <laughs> level. Yeah. Yeah. And... But Brabantio tries to describe his daughter as being, you know, a maiden never bold, of spirit so still and quiet that her motion blushed at herself. Like, this is the perfect girl. You know, this cute little afraid of everything, blushing at men kind of, you know, how could she possibly run off with Othello? You know, which is hilarious. And so we get actually, yeah, some of Othello's backstory here that he's been a fighter since he was a boy. Uh, he was a slave at some point, but he also yeah. was able to buy his own freedom. And so him telling all these stories of like how he was as a kid and his life growing up, like that really just made her fall in love with him. Um, and look, I guess people fall in love a lot of different ways. Again, maybe I'm just too modern. I wasn't madly happy with the fact that she falls in love with him because he's a manly man. You know, like he's doing all these wars and he's, uh, you know, it's a bit too stereotypically sexist for me, you know? Okay, I didn't actually get that from it. I mean, there is that part to it, but I also found like, I found some emotion and feeling in it in that like he was a slave and she can Mm. kind of understand like, oh, that must have been real tough for him. And trying to understand what his life was like growing up like that, buying his own freedom, becoming who he is. You know, I think that's that's fair, and it's not a you know it's not a massive point that kind of doesn't put me off a play or anything. But I was thought, okay, to, you know, he had to be like a noble warrior. You know, I, I, he couldn't have been a pencil pusher, and you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there are plays for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not in this case. No, he is, but I mean, he is considered a great general, and the Duke really wants to send him off to war, but the Duke has to finish up this stuff with Brabantio first and he even says I think this tale would win my daughter too yeah the Duke says that this tale would win my daughter too so you know and the the Duke is very no you know he 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 understands people's motivations and he understands what's you know he's like yeah that that seems fair like I don't think that magic is involved I think that this guy was really nice and wooed her with his stories essentially you know which and Othello says it like go and get her and while you fetch her I'll just tell you what happens. And then, you know, she comes in and corroborates it, essentially. So there's there's no, he's not afraid. You know, he knows I'm 100% in the right here. I'm just going to tell you what happens. And I know 100% that she's going to corroborate it. You know, there's no problem here. 
And with the Duke there, Brabantio has to reluctantly give his blessing. He, yeah, he does. He has to reluctantly accept it. Um, Which, and... <laughs> I don't know if it's a... I don't know if I should say... Would it be spoiling saying what happened to Brabantio later? I'll go ahead. All right. So Brabantio dies of grief because he lost his daughter, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is the last we see of him. This is the last we see of him, but we hear later that he dies of grief. Yeah. Per, yeah. per Brabantio. But I do like uh, the Duke's advice to him before, before he dies, of course. The Duke says, the rob that smiles steals something from the thief. He robs himself that speed uh, that spends a bootless grief. Mm. Right? That's nice. Crying over spilled milk, right? It's just wasteful. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, like she's already married a fellow. So there's no, you know, there's no point being upset about it now. Like it's done. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, just I recommend reading uh, Act 1, Scene 3 just for some beautiful poetry. Like on the Duke's side, and yeah, uh, not really to do with uh, the plot, but it's just good poetry. Yeah, it is, and I, I the Duke's actually my favorite character in the play. Like he's oh. the only person that I feel is a nice chap. You know, like I could trust him. He's sensible. He's level-headed, uh, and we don't really we, that's him gone. We, we don't see him again. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. I might. I, I can see that. I can see that Emilia might be probably the best moral character just Ooh, well we'll get to that blindsided. I, yeah the easily blindsided was a moral failing for me but we'll, we'll we'll get to that in turn um but i suppose we've kind of covered what happens really in act one the only thing i wanted to kind of to add was really when when the othello talks to the duke about iago and it, it you know he mentions and it just him as his agent uh, his ancient um, but he, again, so this is what we hear about, about Iago, a man he is of honesty and trust. To his conveyance, I assign my wife. Um, so like he, he, he trusts Iago. He's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to go off. My wife needs to follow later. I trust Iago to like make these arrangements. Yep. He, he trusts him with everything, essentially, you know, yep. down to his wife, um, which is that. So that's the first time we kind of hear how Othello feels about Iago. He, he's a trusted, noble chap you know he's the ensign yeah and othello asks iago to bring his wife to cyprus i what do you think because what we see of iago is the opposite of what othello thinks of him Hmm. there's this idea that he's been with him a long time like are we supposed to think that iago has changed just because of this promotion like was he a noble lovable servant before i think that's what we're supposed to get out of him I don't it's hard that. to buy that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, because he's he's done so well as a villain that you assume he's more or less always been like that, you know? But what's also interesting, like, we get the ages, too. So Othello, it sounds like he's, like, 50 or Yeah, so. I, I, I thought he was, like, maybe late 40s, early 50s. Um, I can't remember exactly, but he's not. Like, he even mentions, like, his sex old. drive is low now, which is a strange thing to say in the play. <laughs> And we yeah. know that Iago's 28. He specifically says his age. Yeah. So it's, it's well, whatever. But I guess yeah. people age, aged quicker than, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, so, that's, that's something in general. Like, I remember even from my own childhood, you know, people in their 50s seem old. And they dressed old and they acted old. And now they don't. They, you know, we, we live in an era now where, like, everyone stays young until they really get old, you know, so... <laughs> Which is when you're 51. (laughs) Like 70, I don't know. It's a cultural thing. 
So there is a little bit more at the end of act one. We see Rodrigo again and Rodrigo saying, oh, I should just kill myself. Desdemona and Othello got married. And then Iago says, don't kill yourself. You, you can't drown yourself. Drowning is for cats and blind puppies. Yes, cats and blind puppies. <laughs> wow. Just to see how evil this guy is. I just love that <laughs> line. But Iago essentially says, so you're right, you know, tells him not to kill himself, um, essentially because Iago can use him in a, in a plan, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe we'll go back to Kant a little bit here about treating people as means to an end, but Iago essentially treats Rodrigo as a, as a, as a, as a thing, like as a means to an end. He doesn't really treat him as a, a human in that sense. But Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. He says, like, go sell all your assets, bring a ton of money with you, uh, get like jewels, for example, that you can give to Desdemona. I don't think yeah. Desdemona ever he, gets those jewels. I think Iago takes I, no, them. No, I think Iago takes those. And we get it over and over again. Like he's a big speech and every other word is like bring money or make money or something like that. Like that's in the list. It's like do this thing and money and this thing and money and this thing and money. You know, like that's very, very emphasized that money is going to be involved. And it happens like three times throughout this play and Rodrigo just keeps believing him. Yeah, a little bit gullible, maybe. I don't I don't know how I feel about Rodrigo. I think he's the one character in the play that I'm I don't know. Like obviously we don't necessarily like him, but I feel like he was swindled at the very beginning by yeah. Iago and he was used. So I don't want to give him like too much culpability, but it's tricky. I think later on he's it goes beyond like uh, what is it? It goes beyond disbelief here, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. It does. If you're going to let yourself get constantly swindled, at some point it is partially your own fault. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. So, um, so are, we, are we to think that he just spends all his money on these jewels and then gives them to Iago? Like, he essentially bankrupts himself, just gives all his wealth to Iago, basically. Yeah, for Iago to give to Desdemona, and then Iago just takes it. And we never see the money. We never you know. see any of this. We don't. A lot of that happens. I, this is one of the plays where I feel like more is happening that we're not seeing sometimes, and that's fine. Uh, some plays you feel that way, and some you don't. Some plays you feel like this is a very minimalist story, and we're seeing every detail of it. You know. So I, I feel kind of interest. Like this is a good time to talk about it. I think this is a very interesting organization of one of Shakespeare's plays. Like normally, I feel like this type of play with the revenge and the tragedy. This is usually like acts four and five of his play. Yeah. I feel like we are missing acts one, two, and three leading it's... up to this. But Answer me this. Do you think we could have lost act one? I, there's way too much backstory, way too much motive being talked about. No, we couldn't have lost act one. Well, I suppose we... Yeah, we, we would have then had to fill some of that motive and backstory into act two, but wh- I don't what think I mean the part is... About it, Brabantio was necessary. No, like there's there's definitely some stuff that feels like a prequel almost. Like it feels like we didn't mm. really need that in the and this is slightly longer than your average Shakespeare play. Mm. And I do feel like a lot of the stuff that happens in Act One, certainly in the first half of it, like it wasn't really like they could have filled that in in, in a paragraph or two, like a summary form. Like we didn't really need to see all of that. And it was enjoyable, don't get me wrong. I, I like the play, including Act One. Um, but it just it is that little bit longer, and it, it, it I feel like Act One makes the play flow strangely, as you said. Like it's it's not really an opening act in some respects. I, I find it we could have lost some of it, you know. 
A little bit, yeah. Because like the stuff with Brabantio doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, we just see one of Iago's plans fail. And all right, that's fair. We get to see a plan fail. Like not mm-hmm. every plan is going to succeed. But yeah, it's just interesting to see because this is all like climax and falling action, I feel. Uh, very little falling action. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, did, did you think that the play flowed okay in terms of going from Act 1 to Act 5? Like, it just, it felt a bit off to me. I think where it felt off was, it seems like they are reiterating the same discussions over and over. I think that's another nitpick I have in that, all right, Iago is just going to talk to Rodrigo and tell Rodrigo what to do. Then he's going to talk to Othello and say, okay, Othello, I think Desdemona's cheating. And Iago just does his rounds, talking to each person, and then he goes back around and does the same thing. You kind of know yeah. what's going to happen in each scene. Uh, yeah, you do. Like, I think it's predictable, but I don't think that necessarily made it less enjoyable. I should say one well, thing, so though. Um, yeah, it is. <coughs> What I really enjoy about Iago is his asides. He's the Mm. archetypal villain who says one thing to your, you know, and then turns aside to the audience. And it's one of those, you suspend your disbelief that the character two feet from him isn't obviously still hearing him, but it's, it's a theater, you know, but I I love that. He's the archetype for doing that. Like, I'm going to say a nice thing to your face. I'm going to turn aside to the audience or to myself, or I don't know. And then just say the opposite of that thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, I think he's very interesting when he's on stage. There's always something happening in his mind. He'd be a very interesting uh, character to play, I think. Oh, yeah. I think he would be a lot of fun to play. Um, I would love to see. I've, I've not seen really that many Shakespeare's actually produced. I've only read them. I, I think this is one I would like to see, you know, just just for, for Iago, really. Oh, yeah. And actually, yeah, uh, plugging Royal Shakespeare Company again, uh, they had made a very interesting version with Iago. They actually made Iago black as well. Right. Yeah. And it gives an even, I feel like at first, like just basic foundation level, that wouldn't really work. But when you actually look into it, it creates an even deeper connection between the two. It's kind of like this guy was able to succeed and I wasn't. But also, even like, I know my place better than this guy. It, it just makes for real interesting uh, interactions between the two of them. Yeah, um, it, that's a, an interesting take on it, actually. Like it, I do feel like it changes the play a little bit. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, know. yeah. But that's fine. You know, sometimes you, you can make changes like that. And it doesn't, the story, story is certainly not going to suffer for it. It just, it adds something. It doesn't take anything away, you know? I think in this one, it does add a little bit. But yeah, it's maybe watching two different versions would probably. Help. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Let, let me make it explicitly clear because I'm not sure if I have um, this, this idea, this p- plot surrounding Rodrigo. You know, obviously he's giving jewels to 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 um, Iago to pass on to, to Desdemona. And I mean, they use the word cuckold once or twice. Like the idea is Iago is going to, you know, I guess it's obvious, but just to clearly state that Iago is going to 
facilitate you know bringing Rodrigo and Desdemona together basically yeah um, as his yeah, mistress or whatever like so that's that's the plan as far as Rodrigo is concerned and that's really all he's interested in for the play that's that's the plot as far as he's concerned yeah and he says later on like he's given so many jewels that even a nun would fall for him basically yeah because that's what we know about people is if you just give them shiny things that's how you win love <laughs> yes that's all we know um so do you want to talk a little bit about cassio um because he becomes relevant next he does become relevant starting in what is it act two scene three yeah so cassio is the one who gets the promotion instead of iago and yeah, there is a little bit that we might have to cover before we get to Cassio. So like act two, scene one, basically like everyone arrives in Cyprus. We learn that there was a huge storm that wrecked all of the Turkish ships and the war is over, basically. Like they won. So Cassio enters, followed by like Desdemona and Iago and Amelia. And we know that Cassio and Desdemona are basically friends right they've known each other for a bit um then othello arrives they thought that he was lost at sea uh because their ships got separated cassio and othello's um so there's just the whole reunion then so with the war being over then there's a nice party that night right there's a nice feast and a bonfire yes yeah this is when we first get to see a little bit more of cassio so Iago's trying to get Cassio to basically start a fight with Rodrigo, or, well, he's trying to get Rodrigo to start a fight with Cassio, to get Cassio yeah. kicked out, lose his position, and uh, lose his grace with Othello. Are we... Obviously, Iago has the plan we just talked about for Rodrigo, which he's no intention of helping him with, really, but he also has the plan for himself to get Cassio kicked out. And obviously, his whole plan, really is to, to create this idea that um, to convince Othello that, that Cassio is, is trying to, to get with Desdemona. Do we think that Rodrigo is aware of this other plan or he's completely clueless? I, I don't think it's ever really brought up with Rodrigo and I don't entirely know what Rodrigo... Oh, is Cassio... Is, well, is Iago telling rodrigo that cassio is trying to get desdemona as well and so rodrigo needs well, to get rid of cassio I, I think yeah that's what i'm i'm kind of wondering like is that is that obvious from the start like at what point is rodrigo kind of aware of that i, I, I guess not every detail needs to be like, yeah i think that so might have been on the ship yeah. there or something yeah the, well, because that, there that, is that's... a bit of time that passes between act one and act two um, I did find in my notes, though, another reason Iago uh, might actually hate Othello and Cassio. He does mention a couple times, and might be hard to pick up on, that maybe both of them slept with his wife. Like, Right, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, so he's somehow persuaded himself to think that Emilia has slept with other men. Wow, not, okay. Even though it's not true. It's, at least that's what it seems to from Amelia's point of view. And again, he doesn't treat Amelia all that well. Um, no. Not that he, nothing necessarily, well, not that he's really all that, I mean, he's, he's mean to her and, and he uses her and, and you know, I, I don't think that he's, 
like you know, there's there's no implication that you know he like beats her or anything like that, like anything horrendous. But he's, he's still not like, abuse. That's yeah, for sure. he's, he's he's still not a good husband at all. And, and I do I do like Amelia. I do feel for her to an extent. But um, we do as well at the beginning of Act uh, about two. We meet um, the governor Montano. He he's not really important, really, is he? No, I can't think of anything that he does to really drive the story forward. Not really, but you know he's the governor, so I assumed he was you know an authority figure. But he almost listens to Othello in the like you know he he doesn't feel like he's above Othello as the general actually. Yeah, yeah. Like so during the party. So what is it like? Yeah, Iago talks to Cassio, trying to get him drunk, and then he turns to Montano saying like, "Yeah, Cassio is this real terrible guy, such a drunk as well." Sends Rodrigo after Cassio. Cassio comes in fighting Rodrigo. And for some reason, people think Rodrigo is some real, I don't know, like some rich guy from Cyprus. And during this fight, Montano steps in, gets hurt. He even says mortally wounded, but he's not. He comes in later in the play. (laughs) Sure. Then, yeah, Othello bursts in because he left because he was going to consummate his marriage with his wife. They go to sleep. So he's real angry because you interrupted all that. And he berates Montano and Cassio. Yeah, he he does. Just coming in and saying to the governor, like, hey, what the hell do you think you're doing? You're making too much noise. You're partying too much. Stop it. Yeah. And this is one of the first times where we really see how cruel Iago can be because he figures out that Cassio is on, you know, guard duty or whatever. And Cassio, he says, like, have a drink. And Cassio says, like, I shouldn't, I'm working. Um, And obviously it's a party. And Cassio says, look, I I did already have one. So, like, that's it, you know. And then Iago persuades him to have another. And he's really, really good at this, like, so friendly and charming to your face. And then he has all these ulterior motives, you know. I, I think that the character is, is excellent. You know, I really like how how friendly and chummy he is. And he's telling you to do the things. And then later it's like, oh, well, you did those bad things. And it's like, yep. he's the one who told me to do them. You know? Yep, yep. <laughs> he's great at that. But I mean, that would never work with like talking to your boss, like telling Othello, like, but he told me to have another drink. Like, no, you're the one who acted out of line. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it's, it's just funny that Iago's obviously expecting that. And it's... Uh, he's he's a very mean chap because he's putting it all in motion, you know, and he's he's funny to that extent. He's also the perfect movie villain. Like he explains in detail in in big speeches, you know, <laughs> everything he's doing. Yes. yes. <laughs> like I wonder... even here, like in Act Two, you know, he's talking to Cassio, and then we get if I can just if I can fasten but one cup upon him with that which he is drunk, and it goes on for ten or twelve lines where he, he he lays out his plot. You know, he does this a lot of times. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it'd be kind of an interesting movie just to see it through from like the other character's perspective, get to the end and then finally go back to see everything from Iago's perspective and what he did to make everything happen. Ooh, that could be, yeah, that could be quite interesting. That, I like that idea. Iago, Iago's such a special character. I, I really like it. I think he's one of the Terrible. most Terrible memorable person. Shakespeare characters. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he's not a good chap. Throughout most of this, does he do anything illegal? Immoral, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Lots of moral issues. In... No, he doesn't really. I mean, well, you could say that he swindles Rodrigo, but again, Rodrigo's freely giving him those things. I mean, he's just a bit of 
fraud maybe with yeah. his intentions yeah. you know but but no in general i think you could easily look at it and say iago doesn't do a lot himself all he really does is talk to people and and get other people to do things really yeah yeah i mean he does kill a character later on so i mean he's yeah not... but 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 well, okay sure but for, yeah. for much of the play you yeah. know he's uh he he uses his his wits and his tongue you know that's that's yeah. his main weapon <laughs> so what happens next um Yeah, I'm just checking now what happens after after we kind of meet Cassio. So I two scene one we've covered now. I two scene two is just a one paragraph from a herald. Yeah, so and we've covered sk- most of scene three. So Iago persuades Cassio. Yeah, we've more or less. Um, I think we've more or less covered. So all of Act two there, really. Yeah, I mean, we do know that. Yeah, Cassio was fired, and Iago says to Cassio, like, "Hey, like, you should talk to Othello about this." And Cassio, I think, says, like, I'm not so sure about that. So they end up saying, like, all right, let's talk to Desdemona. She'll be able to do something kind of like with Measure for Measure again. You can't say no to a woman, right? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a whole night that all this is happening. Cassio is still drunk, and he then meets with Emilia, in act three scene one right so he does hear a little bit that desdemona has already been fighting for him before he even shows up and othello of course wants to take back cassio he likes the guy they've been friends for a while he's the one who helped him get married right but it's just not really possible within just the eye of like the governor and just being in the public eye i guess um yeah like that's there is that trickiness i mean act three scene one is is the scene i don't really care a lot for because it's the scene with the client oh yeah i didn't write anything down about that yeah you you skip so you you were starting from scene two essentially like there's just a scene with the client no scene two is just a fellow goes for a walk oh yes sorry scene two is is about six lines so we start really from scene three so act three goes in quite quickly here like yeah yeah Cassio tries to meet Desdemona one-on-one and then he finally meets her in scene three and she says, yeah, of course, I'll, I promise to help you. Yeah, so so essentially we start act three from scene three because acts one and two are, are nonsense. So, um, <laughs> well, it's not fair to say they're nonsense, but they're irrelevant, essentially. Yeah, yeah, basically. I don't have anything else written down about him. The clown's kind but... of funny, but he's he just does what a clown does. He's just takes your words and then twists them to make them slightly different. Yeah, and the client yeah. returns again at the beginning of um, of scene four, um, talking to Desdemona. Um, but this is really a two scene act. You know, it's 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 yeah. scene three, and once we skip the start with the client, then the rest of scene four. Um, this is where events actually happen. Uh, is this filler? Like, there's some filler in this act, really. Like. There kind of is. Yeah. There's so, some stuff we could lose, but do you want to tell yeah. us what happens anyway in, in sort of acts, well, the, the plot, which is acts three and four, scenes three and four. Yeah. So basically what happens, uh, Cassio talks to Desdemona. She promises she'll help. He leaves and Othello actually sees Cassio leave Desdemona's room, which already Othello's like, all right, that's kind of weird. I'll keep that in the back yeah. of my mind. 
he sl- he slinks off like suspiciously. I think is implied. Uh, you know. So he says not. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird way to leave. When you like leave and try to say hi, boss, even when you feel bad about what happened, about being fired. I, I think he know. just trusts Desdemona. He's like, you know, I'm not going to say anything yeah. to a fellow. Desdemona has told me that she'll put in a good word for me and get me my job back. So, yeah. you know, it's easier if I just leave it to her. And I'll, but yeah, it, it is suspicious that he sneaks away. Of course, he thought nothing of it because he didn't know Iago was doing this plot, you know, but it just lends itself beautifully to what Iago was trying to do, you know, because then Othello is like, is that not Cassio sneaking away? And then that's a perfect chance for Iago to like put his, his bit in, you know. <laughs> And Iago does a really good job with not being so obvious about his motivation here. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, it couldn't have been. Or, like, oh, I really don't believe this, but there is I think this throughout thing the I think yeah. throughout the play, he's good like that. Yeah. Like, he's a very intelligently written character. He never seems obvious about what he's doing to the other characters, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. But to us, sure. But yeah. And this is the main scene with Iago talking to Othello, sowing these doubts into him, right? So he says, like, oh, yeah, Cassio's a great guy, but I have a few doubts about him. Like, yeah, I used to watch, like, Desdemona and Cassio together. And, you know, like, she lied to her father about you. She might be lying to you about him. And Brabantio also warned you about this, right? If she lied to her father... Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's there's there's a lot of that going on. Um, I, I the one place I think the play suffers is when Othello and Desdemona are interacting. To be honest, really, because it just isn't how real people talk. Like you would just explain things. Like I don't. They just, they, they have conversations without talking about things somehow. You know, it's very true, strange. True, it is basically just I love you. You love me. Yay. And that's pretty much all that happens. Yeah. And then obviously, well, later they have problems, but again, they, they still don't. Again, I, I repeat that they could have just solved the whole play if it had a normal human conversation between Othello and Desdemona and m- maybe Cassio. Half of Shakespeare's plays. <laughs> I suppose it is, but just right. this play I really enjoyed, but just when it's Othello and Desdemona one-on-one, that's the bits where it feels more like theater than real, you know? Sure, sure. Something that would hold up even better over time. Yeah. Makes sense. And we have here, so in in, in scene three, Desdemona is trying to put her good word in for Cassio after he leaves. So, I mean, I thought it was just seeing Cassio sneak away. And now immediately, you know, Desdemona is like, let's talk to Cassio. Let's get Cassio around for dinner. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, let's fix this. And in Othello's like, yeah, like, sure. I'll do anything for you, basically. Like, you know, says, in that in that sense, he's devoted. Not but now. He's, not now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she, but, but she pushes it. She's like, "Oh, but soon, right? Tonight, tomorrow, the next day." Like, he's yeah, really Tuesday, pushing Wednesday. it. <laughs> yeah. And like, he does respect her throughout all of this. They're still on good terms, but yeah, the seeds of doubt are just being sown. Yeah, and eventually Othello says, like, fine, let him come when he will, like, whatever. He uh, he starts yeah. out, like, quite a good husband, I think. Like, he does, he's willing to, to do what she wants. He gets really suspicious soon, but at this point, he's all right, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's real interesting to see it acted out, like, as this military man. You imagine this strong general throughout most of this, like, you can see it. You can see, like, 
he is very strong, but also mm. warm. He's loving, I think. Yeah, but very loving. Desdemona does herself no favors because even when he admits and says, "Fine, like let let Cassio come, whatever," and she's like, "Why? This is not a boon. Like you're not doing me a favor by saying this. Like this is like if I told you to wear your gloves. Like Cassio is something that you need, and you should just have him. Like she's like, okay, quit while you're ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> does push it push it a little too far. And so this is when things get. This is when the main action happens. So Othello mentions that he has a headache, right? And she takes out her handkerchief, tries to help him, but it falls to the floor. And somehow they don't recognize, they don't notice realize that it's, yeah. yeah. So Amelia picks it up, knowing that it's important to them. And Iago's been asking for it for forever. Yes. Now, right? This is the bit that I where I don't like Amelia. I do like her later, but her mm. first appearance, essentially, I don't like her because, you know, she's like, well, she's dropped this handkerchief. I know it means a lot to her, but my husband's always been after it. I'll give it to my husband. And that didn't really sit well with me just on the first kind of reading. I'm like, maybe you should just give him back to your friend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and for that reason, I was like, I know that she's not, she's not in on Iago. I mean, this is the first time I meet her, so we're not fully aware of how much she's in on, but you kind of assume, okay, she's not in on Iago's plots per se, but she still kind of goes along with this handkerchief business. And if she hadn't done that, things would have taken a different turn in the play. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and we don't know why she does it either. Just being a good wife, I guess. Just just being a good submissive wife, essentially. And that's a characterization that I'm not a massive fan of, but, mm, agree. you know, that's what happens. <laughs> so Iago, of course, is like, oh, great. Now I can give this to Cassio. And if Othello sees Cassio with this, he's going to think Desdemona's been cheating. Because, of course, giving handkerchiefs to someone means that you're cheating. Is that true? Like, 400 years ago? I mean, like, I'm always giving handkerchiefs. No, no. Um, I, I assume that it's just the fact that he has it. It's like, well, why would he have it? Did she give it to him as a token? Or they find it in his house, so maybe she was around his house. Like, what were they doing? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's hardly conclusive evidence, but it you know, once Iago does all of his talking and plans the suspicions, it just adds something, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Othello, of course, then comes in very bothered by what Iago was saying earlier, because he's like, all right, yeah, maybe she is cheating. And he said, like, all right, I'll take any evidence for this. Like, what is there? Iago mentions, like, well, you could just watch them having sex, maybe go into the cabinet or whatever. Yeah, uh, goes, yeah, he's very good at planting seeds and saying yeah. things that the other characters then almost just assume to be true, you know. But but again, um, it's because they think that he's the Othello constantly calls him honest Iago. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Like they, they they there's no reason to distrust this guy, which I find a bit unbelievable, you know, if this is how he is. But yeah. But then of course Othello's like, no, let's not do that. Do you have any other evidence that's not going to like break my heart completely? Yeah. So, like, so at well, this point, Othello's rational enough, as you say, he does still yeah. want some evidence, you know? Yeah. But he's still okay with circumstantial evidence. I think he even says that specifically. And <laughs> Iago's like, yeah, well, I saw Cassio with the handkerchief. And uh, he also talked in his sleep about Desdemona. I don't remember if it's this part or later, but he's also... So it gets weird okay. here. It's, it's around here, isn't it? 
it's later in the play. I think that right. he says that uh, Cassio was talking in his sleep and kissed me and hugs me saying, sweet Desdemona. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that was, Iago was pushing it there. Like that, I, I'm surprised Othello went for that. That sounded almost too silly to, you know, like, I don't know. Right? So we, is it a bit too much for me? <laughs> oh, agreed, agreed. And so Othello believes it completely, says, all right, we're going to have to kill Cassio now. <laughs> and I'm going to have to yeah. kill my wife. Like, all right. <laughs> Stop. This is why this is where Othello <laughs> loses me. Yeah, I, I understand. You know, y- you can forgive a certain amount because he's being manipulated here. Yeah, but then he's just like, okay, then all the people need to die. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> that was a big step to jump to. <laughs> and Iago gets promised his promotion. So why does Iago keep going? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He loses his motivation at this point. <laughs> yeah, except, well, no. Well, I kind of, like, I wasn't really that convinced on the promotion being his motivation. And just he's a bad fellow, you oh, know, and he, yeah. he just enjoys this kind of stuff. And that might be part of it. If if that were his motivation, like, I just like watching the world burn, that would have been fine. I would have believed that much more than, yeah. like, I want a promotion. But th- they needed the promotion because if his only motivation is, like, it's just his, t- his character type, then how did he get this reputation for being so trustworthy in the first place? You know, that's like, that wouldn't be consistent then. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, he already is, I guess. I think the promotion is there to, to give him, like, a tangible um, motivation because otherwise it, it just makes his character a bit inconsistent. You know, I feel like, well, his motivation is just he's a bad fellow, but everyone thinks he's a really good fellow. It's like, well, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a bad fellow. He's Othello. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so Othello comes in. You see, like Desdemona talking or looking for Cassio. Emilia lies about the handkerchief as well. So we already see strike two against her. But Othello, yeah, comes in saying he has a cold and he wants to see the handkerchief that he gave her and makes up this insane story like yeah this is a magical handkerchief that my parents had and it's been with me for years was that true do you think he made that up i think it's made up right i I just i just bought it i don't know i thought it was true but (laughs) so it doesn't really matter but yeah he makes the handkerchief seem really important essentially and she uh, doesn't have it of course and then she's like she doesn't say i yeah. Again, they lack conversation. If you just said, like, oh, yes, I had it last time when I was, like, mopping your bra or whatever, and I guess I haven't seen it since. I must have dropped it. Yes. But she just puts <laughs> him off really suspiciously, you know. <laughs> and Amelia could have said, like, hey, uh, I found it and gave it to I- Iago. Yeah, and, well, they, she doesn't say that. They, they, they're just the conversation sometimes lets the play down a little bit. But I you think know. that's, I mean, that is Shakespeare in general. Like, that's the part that you really have to suspend your disbelief. And once you do that, it's a fantastic play. And I think both of us were able to do that throughout yeah, most of this. Yeah, look, I, I do love the play. Um, I do want to say one thing on, on Othello's um, defense as well. Um, there's a bit where we, 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 we said he asks Thiago for evidence, but, you know, he says, like, you know, you need to prove this to me, or and he calls him a villain, and... Um, you know, you, you must prove that my love is a whore, you know, or you'll face my wrath, basically. You know, you're, you're <laughs> slandering her and torturing me. And he does threaten him. So at this point, he's not completely, you know, bought over. Well, at in Act 3, Scene 3, but in Act 3, Scene 4, he's real cold to her. Like, he does become, he, he becomes almost like very quickly, like he turns. Like he, 
he, he gets really cold with her and she's not helping herself by constantly talking about Cassio and things like that. But, you know, and the, the handkerchief, obviously. I think he turns, like, really quickly on her. Like To an extent. I think that this, it really depends on the actor playing Othello. Because I've seen it done correctly. You just have to get there in a believable way. And it's just, mm. it's a real hard character to be. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I think Iago would be fun to play. I think Othello would be slightly more difficult because you've got to show that why does he kind of go crazy at the end, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she doesn't have the handkerchief and he gets jealous and leaves. Then, But, well, no, no, sorry. Desdemona does say like, oh, you're here. I need to talk about Cassio again. Then he gets jealous <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> like, all right, Desdemona. How many times have we done this now? <laughs> that is her only thing. It's like, let's talk about Cassio again. Like, that's all she's got. <laughs> is. And then Iago's like, all right, I'll talk to Othello about this. And yeah, they're... it's all just kind of the same drama. I think the only other new thing that really happens here is Bianca finally enters the scene. So that's Cassio's mistress. And yeah, you're right. You're right. A lot of it is more or less the same. She's the only yeah. real, you know, addition here. Yeah. And so Cassio had found the handkerchief in his room and gives it to Bianca for her to like copy it, like copy the engrave, the yeah, engraving, but yeah, to do something with it anyway. Um, Bianca's kind of well. First of all, she's not needed in the play. She doesn't add anything, yeah. but but she's kind of a strong character in that sense that she's kind of like, well, I, I know what I want from Cassio, and he tells her to go do this, and she's kind of like, mm, why? Why would I? No, like yeah. you know, she she initially I think kind of goes along with it, and she's kind of like, actually no, like why? Well, you know, I'm not your slave, you know. I like that about her. Yeah, and Cassio, I don't know why he does it, but he just says like, oh, I don't want you to be around. And okay, because I guess she is a prostitute and his mistress. He wants to save face here. Is she but, a prostitute? I mean, I know she's his mistress, and they, some of them they they say I think that. I mean, um, one of the other girls says that she's a prostitute, but I, I wasn't sure if she was. She might not be. I thought she was, but kind of with the way with the way the play is written at times, you never really know. Yeah. yeah. I just thought she was essentially Cassio's unofficial girlfriend, you know. But yeah. then she 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 does want him around and she she asks him, like, you know, you can come around today, tomorrow, whatever, like the, the option's still there for you, essentially. So she's strong when she wants, you know, I think that she, they're almost using each other in a sense, but maybe there's some, I didn't, didn't think that she was a prostitute, but it, it's, it's certainly consistent with the play. Like there's no reason to think she's not either, you know? Yeah. But again, if Othello had seen them together, he might have thought, oh, this is who Cassio's with. He's not trying to be with Desdemona. He's trying to be with Bianca. Yeah. Because but- I guess Othello doesn't know about Bianca or at least doesn't see them together. So if he did know, he assumes that it's not still ongoing. I don't know. But yeah, we, maybe maybe that's why this is here. Because, you know, Bianca doesn't add much. Maybe it's just yeah. one of those other almost comedic twists that it's like, oh, if only Othello had seen that scene, we could have avoided a lot of stuff. But he didn't, you know. Yeah. And now we're ready for Act 4. Uh, yeah, I think we are we are ready. And again, we we passed over it, but there's a little bit more silly stuff with the Klein in, in that scene um, at the beginning. Yeah, so now now move. Yeah, the Klein's irrelevant. Now move to Act Four. <laughs> so okay, so I think this is when 
This is where we have Othello and Iago doing a lot of dialogue to begin with. Um, yeah. And this is when Iago well, says, like, oh, yeah, Cassio kissed me. Right. Yeah. Saying sweet Desdemona. And okay, okay. So, yeah, this is when uh, they, Cassio they comes in and Iago tricks Cassio into talking about Bianca by mentioning Bianca and Desdemona in the same conversation Othello doesn't know who Bianca is so he assumes that Cassio is going to be talking about Desdemona the mm-hmm. entire time yeah Othello hides we, th- we also we have this Iago's very good here because he talks about an, an, an unauthorized kiss and all this kind of stuff and hmm. um, to kiss in private but he's very good at like saying things with new evidence for them <laughs> and then Othello just goes along with it and he's like well is it bad to be in bed with her friends naked for an hour and not mean any harm? And it's like, well, that would be bad, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And saying like, there's no way that they would just do nothing. Yeah. He, 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 he creates these like suppositions where Othello, you know, he, he, he's very good at planting a seed and then building on it. So even if you question how he's building on it, you've forgotten to question like the initial supposition. He's very good at that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So he gets Cassio to talk about uh, Bianca and all the things that he loves about her or like the kissing and things like that. Othello thinks it's about Desdemona, which makes him even angrier. But what's kind of weird is Bianca enters this scene, right? Yeah. Now she does bring in the handkerchief and throws it at Cassio Saying like, hey, why'd you want me to copy this embroidery? So Othello's like, oh, he has this and he's trying to give it to his mistress. Yeah, at this point, so because this breaks my previous point, which was that, you know, Othello wasn't aware of the situation with Bianca. Now we see that he is aware of it, but he's so blinded by the handkerchief that he's like not processing well, that Cassio is still with her, I guess. He may think that he has two women or something, or he I still guess. doesn't know who Bianca is. Maybe it's just some random woman who copies embroidery. I don't know. Um, but what happens is Bianca leaves and Cassio chases after her. So I feel like if I'm Othello, I would be like, all right, maybe this guy loves this woman, not Desdemona. But I guess with that green-eyed yeah. monster, maybe I wouldn't yeah, the, think that yeah. far. I think the jealousy is too, too much at this point that he's not really necessarily taking every detail like sensibly, you know? And, yeah. uh, I guess that's understandable. Um, he so, also has like a, a fit of epilepsy at one point, doesn't he? Or they, they mention it that he'd... Uh, Iago and Cassio talk about it. Um, it's not really important, but it, it does get mentioned here. Cassio says, what's the matter? And Iago says, my lord's fallen into an epilepsy. This is his second fit. He had one yesterday. I don't know if that's... Like, doesn't achieve anything, really? I I wonder if that's just not literal. That... Oh, I have no idea. It's, it's a weird mention, essentially. Like, it doesn't do a lot. It, it, well, that's why he's not around, maybe? Yeah, and you know, Cassio says, "Well, rub him about the temples and whatever." And then Othello goes on and says that I was mocking him. Um, I guess maybe he's using it to cover up why Othello is acting so strangely. Like maybe it's not epilepsy. Maybe he's just you know he's really jealous and angry, and they're I yeah. don't know. Is he's having is a fit strange. of anger yeah. instead of an epileptic fit or something? Yeah, that's that's very very possible. It's not that does sound it's not like mid-very experience thing, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in a sense, it's not important. It's just a, a detail, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Iago then like, all right, you could have thought that he's, he loves Bianca, but Iago then says maybe he gave Desdemona's handkerchief to his whore Bianca. Mm. Uh, and so Othello's like, oh, how could he do something so terrible? And they plan to strangle Desdemona in bed. Yeah, so this is where Othello loses me, morally speaking. <laughs> really? This place? Okay. <laughs> well, this is where the character of Othello loses me. I, you know, this is where I, I no longer, like, it's just, it's, that's too I, much. I understand, like, the poetry that he's going for here. Like, he wants to kill her in the bed that she sullied with Cassio. Like, okay, yes. poetically makes sense. Then later on in Act 5, he mentions, like, oh, I, I could never, like, put like let there be blood on this mm. like i don't want to damage her face i don't want to see any blood I'm just going to strangle her he's yeah he still so wants to kill her. her beauty forever which all right it wouldn't, but but this is this is the problem i have between othello and desdemona like if they just talk you know i understand that he's <laughs> listening to iago i understand maybe he's getting angry and sure like he should just talk to her but, but would you take the rash step of killing her you know without talking to her first like because she didn't do anything and you know he just goes on hearsay and it's like well i gotta kill her then yep uh but well yeah i guess just uh men uh (laughs) yeah like you (laughs) men yeah so it she she tries to talk to him about it and he just never believes her. But I think that only happens here in Act 4 and Act 5. So it's She doesn't even try clear. very hard, you know. And even when he's yeah. like, I'm going to kill her, she's just like, oh, well, okay then. Like, I get, you know. If I have I to die, I have to die. But... Like, she doesn't put up a fight. Like, if she put up a fight, it would have been more believable. Because now she seems culpable. She's like, well, I'll, I'll take my medicine. Like, I, if I did wrong, I should have to die, you know. It's like, well... You didn't <laughs> like yeah, you're, are yeah. you forgetting to protest your own innocence here it reminds me of claudio again for measure for measure because he's like well i i guess i have to die god judged me this way and my husband is my god so yeah well, that sucks i i get very upset where so we, we um <sighs> lodovico arrives and at this point we just have like some some um look i guess this is where the you know the officials essentially see that Othello is losing it a little bit and, you know, they don't really want to let him stay in charge. Um, and he strikes his wife in front of, like, another man. Like, that is really not good. <laughs> um, but he's angry and, yeah, he just, he just hits her. Yeah, yeah. And I think everything has just piled up here because in this uh, scene, we also see Othello get a letter. And in the letter, it says that Cassio is going to get the job as governor instead of him. Now, obviously not the main uh, thing on his mind. Mm. He is still not happy with Cassio being there. And Desdemona saying, oh, I'm happy for you, Cassio. And he's like, why the hell are you happy for him? <laughs> she does herself no favors. She's not yeah. smart enough to figure out what's going on sometimes. But in, Then in the background, basically, yeah, you have, what is it, Lodovico and Iago? Lodovico's and, there, yeah. yeah. And Iago's just like, yeah, this is just kind of what he gets like at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as though he didn't cause it all, you know. But there are so many things I see in Measure for Measure with this because the the Duke, when he was a friar, his name was Lodowick, 
right? It was very similar. Like, it was a lot of yeah. And yeah. in this, they do mention uh, Senor Angelo at some point. Mm, I think you're right, yeah. And I had to look into it. So he wrote Measure for Measure a year after this play. It came out at least a year later. So it was yeah. done about the same time. So I'm wondering if he's just taking like the same names. It'd be like they're next to each other in my collection. So they did happen around the same time. So yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. It'd be funny if they were the same people though. <laughs> it would be. We can write some fan fiction uh, with crossover kind of work. Um, but yeah, so here's the thing. So she says, I'm, I'm glad to see you mad. Why, sweet Othello? And he just devil and strikes her. And Lodovico says like, this would not be believed in Venice. Like they, they really have a lot of respect for Othello. And he's like, we, we would never believe oh, yeah. that the, you're doing things like this. Like, he just struck your wife in front of me. And he just continues calling her, oh, devil, devil. If that the earth could teem with woman's tears, each drop she falls would prove a crocodile. Like, but he doesn't know any of this to be true. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And throughout- <laughs> like he's telling other people how bad she is. And it's like, but you, don't, you haven't seen her do anything bad yet. You've just been told. And throughout the rest of the play, everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about, Othello? <laughs> yeah. And he just... And- believes it so strongly the rest of the time he's essentially well it's maybe a a bit of an exaggeration but he's essentially insane for the rest of the play like he he just loses it yeah so he in 4-2 he accuses Desdemona to her face basically and she doesn't entirely understand but as the audience of course is like all right so he's just saying you're a whore now great and so she's basically locked in her room after dinner and Emilia finally being the smart one she's like okay someone's got to be lying to a fellow <laughs> who could it be it's definitely not any of us not Iago or yeah. Desdemona but <laughs> yeah something's got to be going on she's loyal to her husband as well you know and I, she's, she's loyal to Desdemona as well so I think Emilia oh, is in a yeah. tricky situation really I think she's more loyal to Desdemona than Iago probably I think in yeah. the end you know but I think she maybe has some some inner difficulties here and it's, to be honest like she's not a major character we don't really get to see all that much of it but I think that you could you, you could have expanded on her actually because I mean, this is a difficult situation oh, yeah. for her you know yeah and so we see Rodrigo complaining again like he did it right after uh, he was beaten up by Cassio saying, I have no money. Now he says, I still have no money. And what the hell happened to the jewels that I gave you that Desdemona <laughs> was supposed to get? Yeah. So, well, just before that, I do want to mention one last yeah. thing about okay. the, the Othello Desdemona uh, speech. Because he really, really like insults her. Like he's really horrible with her. He keeps calling her a whore and all this kind of stuff. But okay, yeah, for his interaction is hilarious because she's like, "By heaven, you do me wrong." He's like, "What? Are you not a strumpet?" And she's like, "No, I'm, I'm not." He's like, what? Not a whore? Like, no, I'm not. He's just, he's just like, oh, okay, like that's I, it, as if it was assumed. Like, what? You're not a whore? Like everyone knows this about you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that I, I just find that that funny. But then we move on to the Rodrigo and Iago, as you as you say. Yes, and. I don't follow this so much. So Iago keeps the ruse going with Rodrigo and they plan to kill Cassio to somehow get Rodrigo to have sex with Desdemona. 
That's what I don't follow. Um, Why would they? I think Iago. I think Iago basically. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think Iago just kind of realizes, like, oh no, I forgot I had this other plot as well, and now everything's like coming back to me. I've got to do something. I think he's really hoping that Claudio, uh, that Cassio and Rodrigo just both kill each other, and then he's like, that's some oh, yeah. mouths closed. Like that's some evidence gone. Loose ends tied up, essentially. Completely understand from Iago's side because Rodrigo, he's just gonna cost him and Cassio he needs to get rid of him as well I just don't understand why Rodrigo would want to help um yeah I mean I, I think Rodrigo was just a fool really he's like yeah. take all my money and then he's like well now you've got to kill this guy oh well if I have to you know yeah yeah and that's basically everything until the beginning of act five yeah. Um, Desdemona gets ready for bed. Then, yeah. We well, we did. Did we, did we mention Amelia? We do have a. a we, we mentioned her briefly, but we we meant uh, just kind of wanted to add on that. Like we do see her trying to put a good word in for for Desdemona with a fellow. Like I think a little bit. Um, but then we have this bit right at the end of Act Four where she can hear like Desdemona's locked in the room, and you know that was. Mm-hmm. She's like, what? What's this noise? Like, why is she crying in there or whatever? You know. So, just to add, kind of mention that. But we do see that just at the very, very end of, of Act Four, um, and then, yeah, then we're on to Act Five. Yeah, Emilia's starting to become more of a main character throughout Act Four and Act Five. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's received a promotion. She's on the main billing now. <laughs> yeah. So we start off Act Five with yeah the Iago's plan. So Rodrigo swipes at Cassio. Cassio was wearing armor. And so he stabs Rodrigo while Iago then sneakily stabs Cassio in the leg. Cassio is then on the ground, can't do anything. And Rodrigo sort of gets away. Othello shows up after Iago exits and he sees Cassio is like, Great, Iago did his job. That's wonderful. Now, yes. Othello's like, all right, now all I have to do is kill Desdemona. And he says <laughs> a bit of a hint at the ending of the play. Says, uh, strumpet, I come. Forth of my heart those charms. Thine eyes are blotted. Thy bed, lust stained, shall with lust's blood be spotted. Yes, I had uh, circled that quote as well. That's, oh, I'm glad. That was going on Instagram, I think. Uh, that... it, is a good <laughs> it is a really good quote. So yeah, in this scene, it gets a little confusing because people enter, people leave. It's kind of hard to figure out who's where. Yeah, because we've got Lodovico. We now have Graciano as well. And mm-hmm. I just saw those guys as, you know, there's some other officials kind of here to yeah. realize, just to see Othello's madness, essentially. Like, they're not really important in themselves. Yeah, they show up. Iago appears again. And Cassio says that Rodrigo, and who's just so pathetic throughout a lot of this, he was the attacker. So Iago stabs Rodrigo. But nobody sees this. Nobody sees, like, Rodrigo be stabbed. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know the perspectives on the stage at this point, uh, how that's supposed to be done. But, yeah, Cassio, still alive throughout all this. He doesn't die. Spoilers. Um, he does beg for help. Bianca enters the scene, and he's carried away safely. Yes. Yeah. 
Rodrigo is just, my God, like at one point he, he's calling for help and he's like, what? Nobody come? Then I shall bleed to death. Like, well, yeah. that's, you know, there we go. I tried, you know, <laughs> like, it's yeah, yeah. fine. Everyone it's just, just... <laughs> everyone looking at Rodrigo says, man, this guy is pathetic. He is pathetic. <laughs> but um, Iago's good. So you're right. Iago, you know, is like, right, this is my chance now. And I think, I don't know, they might have seen Iago kill him. Maybe. Again, it depends on like how they set up the stage. It's not really clear. But I, I think that he's kind of, he's working on the assumption that Percasio has been hurt by this this bad guy rodrigo i'll just finish him off here you know so he's like what you murderous slave you villain and stabs rodrigo and maybe they didn't see it maybe they did i don't know but it's more just like you know you kill men in the dark you know bloody thieves and i'll i'll take care of this one i've done a good deed i've rid us of this this villain who of course he had set on in the first place i think they mentioned in the play that he comes in in basically just his nightgown with a candle or something (laughs) Like it's strange to it's a strange scene to imagine, but I bet watching it would be better. So yeah, then some. We now we move on. We have an interaction next. I think with the, this is where we have Othello and Emilia talking, and she explains that murder has been done, and it's Rodrigo. And he's like, "What? Rodrigo killed and Cassio?" And she's like, "No, <laughs> no, Cassio is not killed." <laughs> and he's kind of like. What? then murder is out of tune <laughs> this is not how it was meant to go we were definitely planning a different murder <laughs> yeah Yaga makes it sound like Cassio was killed and for some reason Bianca was arrested um, I think yeah they do say that she was arrested for being a prostitute something like that anyway I don't think that's really important so yeah yeah it's not, it doesn't really matter I think and, that's but- pretty much everything in act 5 scene 1 yeah, I think so. We right. have How yeah, much more or less. Five two do we want to get into? Um this is the last scene. This is the last scene. Oh, let's do it. Like we we, we spoiled right. the last one. Um, right. PJ's not here, so he doesn't need to know that we spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> PJ, if you're listening, you can just stop uh the playing the recording here. That's fine. Well, see, the good thing is look, we like to talk about these, but the reason we don't usually spoil the last scene or the last acts because you know anyone listening who's using it like as an educational resource or whatever, like you should still read the play yourself. It's very important that you do oh, that. Yeah. So that's why you've got to read it to get the ending, but let's do it. We're fine. Cool. So Othello walks in candle in hand as well. And he just talks and talks himself into killing Desdemona. Like I, I feel like his relationship with her though is not as strong as her relationship with him because basically he's just like, it's going to be hard to kill you because you're beautiful nothing else really about her like maybe like real kind and nice but kindness isn't a personality trait um anyway yeah (laughs) it's it's sad and it's difficult and she's just too accepting of her fate and yeah yeah and so yeah he wakes her up and asks her to confess any sins that she has she has and she says i didn't do anything wrong it's like well cassio confessed to having sex with you She's like, really? Did you hear that from him? It's like, no. But <laughs> <laughs> then he says, because he still believes that Cassio is dead. My, my God, man, at this point, like, have a conversation. You're literally about to kill her. Yeah. And she's like, did you hear that from him? No. Uh, like, why doesn't he say Iago told me? And she's like, well, it's not true. Like, talk yeah. to each other. <laughs> that does not come up until Othello talks with Amelia. But 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then they have finally a real conversation, but with Amelia. Yeah. Then they talk like real people and they but explain what's happened. But Amelia comes in right after Desdemona's been smothered. She's yes. just about to die and tells Amelia that she loves Othello still and she died herself somehow. <laughs> this is weird because, yeah, we think she's dead, but then no, she pops up and says her last line and then dies. But that's not how smothering works. Like if he stabs her, that would be more plausible. You know, <laughs> when you smother someone, you can't go away and then they, they still die like a minute or two later. I don't think that's how that works. It's the movie way of doing it. You see it in movies, I feel. Yeah. They got get to get that kind of dramatic last line, and then she dies. You know, but, but, but that I find that unrealistic. But at this point, I was enjoying the play too much. We're near the end. Oh, yeah. I'm going to let that go. You know. And Othello then says, "Like Iago told me all of this," and Amelia finally puts all the pieces together, and she's like, "All right, Iago, Gradiano, Montano, who's still somehow alive, get in here." And yeah. So, there's a little quote I like where Amelia hmm. says to Othello, do thy worst. This deed of thine is no more worthy heaven than thou wast worthy her. You know, so she tells him to his face, you know, you not worthy of Desdemona. Like she was, you know, her good friend. So that's understandable. But, you know, she tells him to his face, basically, you're trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to see if. I can find this part. I really like Othello and Amelia's uh, discussion saying, uh, Cassio did topper, ask thy husband else. Oh, I were damned beneath all depth in hell, but that I did proceed upon grounds to this extremity. Thy husband knew it all. My husband, thy husband, that she was false to wedlock. And then she just keeps going. She just like, keeps saying my husband. My husband. <laughs> <laughs> and I, twas he that told me on her first. An honest man he is and hates the slime. Like, my husband? <laughs> so, it's like, she just can't believe. Like, no one can believe that Iago is not a good fellow here. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so, Mike, what? <laughs> and then you just hear a fellow snap and he's like, yes, do you not understand me, woman? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's around here, I think, that Graciano mentions just casually that the Desdemona's dad also died of grief. Um, I yeah, think this happens yeah, in, in around here. said in passing, it's like, all right, nobody cares now. It's like, I'm this glad really important. Her... Yeah, it's like, she's dead, and I'm glad her poor dad's not here to see it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So, Emilia hears about the handkerchief being mentioned as evidence, and she says that Iago got it from me, and I found it lying on the ground. Yes, finally, people talk about the things that have happened. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the tragedies, it's way. always too late. <laughs> yeah. So, Othello runs out of Iago and stab, like, as Iago stabs Emilia. Yeah, he so calls her, she, she explains what happens. He begged me to steal the handkerchief and he just shouts villainous horror at her. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and I like this in the play, the way the stage direction says, Iago offers to stab his wife. I don't know why that cracked me up for like a good 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Can I, please? So you, you want to start? No. <laughs> so, yeah, Iago runs away. Othello laments all of his decisions here. And Iago was finally captured. So Othello runs up at him, stabs him with a sword... They take the sword away from him and Othello admits to him planning Cassio's death, 
while Cassio, I believe, is also in the room. I can't remember. And so all of this has come to light, but... Yeah, it, they, they just have essentially a long dialogue where they yeah. finally just talk about everything that's happened and now everyone knows everything, basically. But what's uh, interesting is, uh, I don't know, I might have misspoken, but yeah, Iago wasn't killed in this. No, so Othello, Othello wounds him, he tries to kill him, um, but he doesn't actually succeed in killing him. Yeah, and they say he's going to spend life in jail and he's going to be tortured for most of his life. Or at least draw out his death as much as possible. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, uh, and a lot of eco questions Othello, and Othello's very open and honest here, and like he says, like, did you, you know, try to get involved in this? And Othello's just like, yeah, here's what happened. Like, I killed yeah. Estebona. I tried to kill Iago just now, which you saw. You know, I messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Completely truthful throughout all of this. And then he has a knife hidden somewhere on him and he kills himself. Yes. Yeah, mentions also, as you said, that he plotted in Cassio's death then. And yeah, and then kills the suicide. So you have Amelia, Desdemona, and Othello all dead in that one bed. I kissed thee ere I killed thee. And Mm. killing myself to die upon a kiss. Um, I, I, I like the... The way Shakespeare writes sometimes, it's very nice, very poetic. I don't think that people ever spoke like this, you know. Like, it's very, it's very easy maybe for a student now to read this and think like, oh, well, I, you know, people spoke like that 400 years ago. I don't think anyone ever spoke like that. No, because it's poetry. <laughs> Nobody speaks like the poems that are written nowadays. No, that's true. But it's nice, you know, it's, it's good. Um, this is funny, though. Lodovico calls Iago a Spartan dog. Now, I'm a fan of Sparta. Like, that hit me, but yeah. <laughs> Well, they are Italian. I wonder if that has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, we're done, aren't we? Like, that's, that's I mean, more or less the plot. Yeah, basically. There is a little bit of a happy ending for Cassio. Like, he gets his governorship. He gets his promotion, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's governor of Cyprus or something. And Lodovico's going to go back to Venice. Montano was the governor of Cyprus, though. Othello was just a war general. I don't understand why Othello was in charge. Montano, like, is submissive to him, and now Cassio's the governor? It, that's a bit unclear. Yeah, I don't exactly understand how that works. That would be something to really look into, for other people to look into. Like, what does it mean to be duke or governor in yeah. the times? The dukes seem to be powerful, but this governor seems to be not really important at all. Well, Othello was supposed to become governor at some point. So it was a promotion from him from general. Mm, okay. That so, makes a bit more sense then. But if Montano, maybe they were expecting Montano to die? I don't know. Or maybe he had to retire because he was stabbed by Cassio? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, the politics the isn't that important, I guess, but it's just... Yeah. It's really not. So, so that's that's it. I loved this play. I really, really loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we sound like we've been pretty negative about a lot of this play, <laughs> sadly. But I, is, yeah, Iago, to me, he's very much like uh, Edmond Dantes from The Count of Monte Cristo. Mm. Like, it is one of those revenge plots that you really like following him around through most of it. And Othello is a very interesting character throughout a lot of it. Desdemona is... Well, doesn't have a ton of character. She's still very interesting to hear from and see kind of 
the love that she and Othello share. Mm. Please, everyone, go and listen to the episode of Books Boys where I reviewed Count of Monte Cristo. Ooh, you did. Ooh, I ought mm-hmm. to listen to that as well. Because <laughs> that is my favourite book. It's it's up there. I mean, I'm I'm a big big fan um, of of all his stuff, like of Dumas' work. Um, I love all the Three Musketeers stuff and everything as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's a brilliant book. But yeah, look, that's I I wanted to just make that point that I love this because you're right. I we sounded critical and I criticized a little bit the dialogue and motivations and things like that. But it's a really I mean I read this in a day. I think I had to finish Act Five the next morning, but more or less within 24 hours. It's a most of it in one sitting. Like it's a really really nice. Just you want to know what's happening. You are addicted to it. The characters are good. Iago is amazing, and it's a really, really good play. For a lot of these nitpicks, I would say watch it because a director and an actor can handle these a bit better. Yeah, yeah, they can kind of iron out some of their little flaws, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, yep, definitely. I mean, plays are meant to be watched, not read. But That's something we forget with Shakespeare. Like everyone's reading Shakespeare. You are meant to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's all these uh, nice things I can recommend for plays. That's one of them. The other one is when you read a play, especially if like for A-levels, read it front to back, but then also read it back to front. Ooh. So by that, I mean, of course you read it front to back all the way through. But when I mean for reading it back to front, you need to figure out how they got from one area in the play to the next, from one action Mm. to the next action. So back to front, you need to figure out how did you get here from here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's how you can completely understand a play. Mm. Do we think that, you know, looking at this back to front, well, we we can, we can see the motivation. It's all, it's all Iago's manipulation. Like it it all ties in consistently. I still think that act one was not really like bits of it or essentially a prequel. It doesn't really tie in that well, but the rest of it, I think that, um, yeah, you can see a perfect flow from how you get to the end. And I think it's very clear what, you know, Shakespeare wasn't making this up as he went along. I think the end points was was pretty much in mind throughout, you know? And if you're an actor and you don't understand the motivation, just ask yourself, how did we get here in the first place? And that can hmm. that can help your character out. Fun fact, apparently Agatha Christie usually did not know the end. Like she didn't always know who done it in her own books. Like she just kind of wrote as she went along and then was like, well, and then this guy did it, I guess, you know. <laughs> I can see that. I think that was also in your uh, last Books Boys podcast that uh, I forget which author it was, but she was saying that, she doesn't know where it's going necessarily. She's going to let the characters take her there. And yeah, and that's think... that's a perfectly fine way to do it. The only the only flaw with Agatha Christie doing it is that then when they give the explanation, you know, you, you'd think with a murder mystery, do you pick up on the clues as you go? But you don't because they just there there weren't sometimes those clues. And then at the end, they'll just yeah. throw in evidence like he was her brother all along, and it's like, well, we could never have known that, so we couldn't have guessed that. <laughs> Yeah, that the endings aren't always the best there, but I, it is all about the journey for a lot of those. Yeah, it is. And I, I love her anyway. Well, look, I think we, we're not here to do Agatha Christie. That's another show. Nope. That's that's Caper Captains. Let's, this let's has been almost two hours. So, Oh my goodness me. The last one was the longest I'd ever done. And now this is of, of Playboys. And now this is ridiculously long. I'm going to go look at breakfast because goodness me. Well, guys, that is us. Um, have a Shakespearean day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.